uploading the virus. Eagle One, the package is being delivered. I'm Ben Maku, national security reporter with Vice, and this is Cyber, a podcast from Motherboard about hacking. Their voting machines are vulnerable to hackers. On Friday, hackers were able to penetrate a touchscreen voting machine in less than two hours. The United States e-voting system is so vulnerable that one or a few dedicated individuals could sway the entire presidential election. You've heard it before. Disinformation campaigns, covert plans hatched deep inside the Kremlin by Darth Putin to use his troll factories, Facebook ad buying sprees, and ninja hackers to steal Hillary's emails and embarrass the Democrats. I mean, it kind of worked. But when you say election hacking, it means something more, something very specific. Today, we want to talk about what real election hacking is. So we brought in motherboard contributor and hacker reporting legend, Kim Zetter, who just wrote a piece for New York Times Magazine called The Crisis of Election Security. It doesn't call out Russian hackers as a key threat to American democracy. Instead, it's something of our own making, the voter machines we use to carry out are key civic duties. And the details are terrifying. So Kim, tell me, what is election hacking exactly? Because a lot of people throw this term around. Yeah, I hate it. Um, (laughs) So election hacking should only be used when you're talking about subverting voting machines. You know, the misinformation campaigns on Facebook and Twitter and all those, that's not election hacking. So throwing up a shitty meme on Facebook, not election hacking. (laughs) Not election hacking. So what are these voting machines and what do they look like and what's the software? So there are two uh, primary types of voting machines used in the the entire country. Um, One of them is called a direct recording electronic machine. And these are where the ballot itself that the voter votes on is digital and the votes are digital. The other type of machine is called an optical scan machine. And it is a machine that the voter... Uh, makes their selections on a full-size paper ballot, and then it's scanned into an optical reader. The operating system on these machines is either Windows XP or Windows CE, the same kind of software that's embedded in ATMs. Okay, so what about these machines? What makes them so susceptible, and which ones are we talking about specifically that you think are the ones that we should be worrying about? So all the machines are problematic. Anytime you're talking about software, um, there's the ability to subvert it. Right. You could go after the individual machines that the voter is using, or you could go after the back-end network, which is probably more efficient because you're hacking the source machine that touches all of the machines in a county. However, you could introduce a virus that could potentially spread to other machines because many of them, at least at a single precinct, are networked together. Also, at the end of an election, there is a memory card that's put into the machine that takes the vote totals from it and gets walked over or driven to a central election office where it's then inserted into that central tabulator. And has there been actual attempts at manipulating elections in the past using this kind of method? Like the past one that just happened, the midterms, was there attempts or do you have reason to believe there were? We don't know. The intelligence agencies will say that they've seen no signs of anyone trying to subvert vote tallying equipment. But their view is limited, right? It's based on signals intelligence, human intelligence, that kind of thing. These machines have been vulnerable since 2002. And so at any time in those last elections going all the way back, anyone could have gotten into these systems already. 
So even if the U.S. intelligence is looking for current activity and chatter, they're not going to see something that's already happened prior to their, their monitoring of these systems. These are members of Congress. They work hard to approve budget grants to sort out election cybersecurity. The one for 2018 was 380 million bucks. These are child hackers, I mean contestants. They tap their keyboards to prove that within minutes, America's election IT systems are a piece of garbage. 35 out of the 39 youngsters taking part this year were able to do just that. So are you saying then that if you're a foreign actor like Russia or China, it is fairly or maybe extremely easy to manipulate the American election? Well, we have to go from the distinction between remote access hacker as opposed to someone who is physically close to machines. And your ability to alter an election increases if you can get into one of those central machines. Now, it takes some skill. You need to understand how the machines work, but the machines are sold on eBay. Uh, some of the software has been exposed on the Internet a decade ago. And so it doesn't take much for you to actually get a machine and study it. Researchers who have looked at them can really uh, subvert them after just a couple of weeks of studying them fully. Okay, if, if you are a Russian and you're trying to manipulate this election, what do you do? How do you do it and how do you not get caught by hacking these machines? Oh, there are many ways I could think of to subvert an election. If I were a Russian hacker, I would want to go after that election management system. So election officials will tell you over and over again that none of the voting machines are connected to the Internet, and that's just not true. Many of these machines have embedded modems in them that at the end of the election, they dial in and transmit vote totals over the cellular network, which is essentially the Internet, to the election management system. And so that means it's open to malicious connectivity. If you can get into that election management system on one election, and then once you're in that system, then you sit there and you study it or whatever so that you're ready and set up for the next election that comes, and that's the one that you subvert. So do you think it's possible that something like the midterms that just happened were sort of this test case or this simulation for a foreign adversary to see how they could potentially manipulate the big one in 2020? I don't think the midterm would have been the test case. Like I said, these systems have been vulnerable for more than a decade. There's no reason to believe that actors haven't been studying these systems before and maybe got into them. You know, we're only looking at 2016 because the Russians became obvious about an intent to subvert elections. But we've had Russia as an enemy long before 2016, right, during the whole Reagan administration and things like that. The intent has always been there, and the technology has always been there. Those machines were still in place uh, in many places uh, during that period, not to the extent that they are now. It was really 2002 that we got most of the machines that we have today. Why did we get new machines in 2002? We got new machines because of the debacle of the presidential race in Florida in 2000. Um, after that happened, lawmakers in Congress and the Senate uh, decided that they didn't want something like that to happen ever again. So they decided wrongly that the punch card machines were actually the problem, and they wanted to get rid of them. So they created a bill that would give states billions of dollars in order to upgrade to these new electronic voting machines. And they were sold on the voting machines because the vendors convinced them that going fully electronic was the better solution. Eliminate people, uh, get the people out of the way, 
and you would eliminate the problem. Um, but actually, they created just a different problem. So, okay, if you wanted to do this strategically, if, again, you're a foreign adversary, do you target, like, counties, swing states, states themselves, like Florida or Ohio, to kind of minorly manipulate so that you can get away with it? Everyone says because the administration of our elections and our voting equipment is not centralized, you can't throw a federal election. But that's just not true. We always know in every presidential election that it always comes down to a couple of swing states and often even just a couple of critical swing districts. And in particular districts where uh, you might also be able to suppress the vote and cause voters to be dropped from the voter rolls or things like that, then you can um, manipulate an election. And what we saw in 2016 with the efforts by presumably Russian state actors to get into the voter registration databases shows us that they understand that capability. I was going to say, we know that Russia tried to hack some of these machines, or at least the overall networks, no? Well, they didn't appear to be going after the voting machines, um, but they were going after the voter registration databases. And if you get into them and alter those records or delete voters from the voter roll, you can prevent voters from actually casting ballots. So it's actually much easier to go after the voters and prevent them from ever casting a ballot than going after the ballots themselves and trying to alter those ballots. Okay, so here's a thought. In some of those too-close-to-call situations we're still in right now, like in Florida, it is possible that somebody manipulated some of those votes. It is entirely possible, more possible, that someone manipulated the voter registration databases and suppressed the vote. If you notice increasingly in counties and states, we're having more and more provisional ballots cast. And provisional ballots happen when a voter goes to the poll and they are told that we have you down here in the database indicating that you already voted, or there's a problem with your registration, we don't see you registered here. And so you have a window of opportunity after an election to determine whether or not that provisional ballot is a valid ballot. And those will only get counted if both the election officials and the voter can resolve that issue. If you can cause more and more voters to vote provisional ballot, you have more and more ballots that are up for questioning. And that time period after an election is very, very tight. So again, you can disenfranchise voters in multiple ways, and you never actually have to alter the software. Okay, so when you speak to security researchers, what do they offer as the alternative? What's the better system to use than these current voting machines? Well, the focus uh, is, not, is not really on the system, the better system. The focus is on a method. Um, no matter what system you put in place, there's the possibility of it being subverted. The real focus should be on uh, verification of the results. And the only way to get that is through uh, paper ballots and through uh, mandatory manual audits um, that will um, verify that the digital tally is correct. So an old school backup, essentially. Yes, but you never want to do that without an audit. You always want to have some kind of manual verification that the software is acting uh, as it's supposed to act and hasn't been subverted. And the problem is lawmakers passed audit laws without really consulting with people who actually understand statistical audits. They didn't really um, do a lot of analysis to try and figure out what would be the best audit law. And the laws for getting these machines were created by lawmakers who didn't understand technology and ignored the people who did understand technology. And all of them, both parties, have ignored 
the real experts for years who have tried to steer them towards systems that have integrity. Do you think that sort of unwillingness to change things is sort of a way to benefit both parties when something's really close and really tightly counted, that you're able to just argue all sorts of different things to cast doubt on it? I I don't want to think that the parties are benefiting from this chaos. However, I, you know, I, there's been a lot of attention focused on the fact that the voting machine vendors have a close ties to the Republican Party. And in many of the states where there's been a resistance to instituting practices that would provide more integrity to elections, um, it's been in states that are controlled by um, Republicans. So in Georgia, for example, there's been a lot of resistance for more than a decade um, switching to machines that have a paper trail. But I won't go so far as to say that the reason across the board we are getting more secure elections is because some political party or another is benefiting from them. So this whole Facebook fiasco, the information warfare against the U.S., that might be the thing we should worry less about when we almost should worry more about these very hackable voting machines. I think voter suppression is the quickest and the easiest way to alter an election and to prevent voters from voting. I mean, if you're looking at, you know, memes in Twitter and fake news on Facebook and things like that, it's a very um, obtuse result that you're looking at, right? You don't know if the right people are going to see it. You don't know if you're actually changing minds or if you're just getting at people who already believe the thing that you're trying to get them to believe. You don't really know what the influence is going to be. If you can go after the voter suppression method by altering voter records, the voter registration databases, preventing voters from voting, you're doing a direct influence. You're hitting the election right at its core. Preventing voters from casting ballot is the most effective and the most efficient way to alter an election. In other words, one could maybe work and the other one will almost certainly work. Yes. And not only will it more certainly work, you're also creating a real distrust in the democracy because every time a voter goes to the poll and they're told, you already cast a ballot or you don't actually live here, you moved, all of those things that they know not to be true, you're introducing doubt in the democratic process to these voters. And they're going to mistrust the system more and more. And so you've not only achieved, first of all, preventing the voter from casting a ballot and preventing their votes from getting counted, you're also then uh, sowing that mistrust in the entire democratic process. Thanks for listening to Cyber. This week we were produced by Jason Kebler, edited by Galen Mullins, and recorded by Mitch Rackett. If you like the show, please subscribe, leave us a review, and tell your friends about us. Traffic jams, tailgating, pileups. Ugh, the joys of driving. How could it get worse? The federal government wants to have a say in what you drive. That's right. The Biden administration's EPA is pushing mandates that would ban two out of every three vehicles on the road today. Don't let Washington become your backseat driver. Protect the freedom of driving your way. Visit energycitizens.org. Paid for by the American Petroleum Institute.